Welcome to Smart Poker Study, the podcast dedicated to helping you play more effectively, earn more money, and be 1% better every day. I'm your host, Sky Matsuhashi. In last week's episode 262, I discussed the real benefit of making poker goals, becoming the type of player who can accomplish that goal. It's poker study time, y'all! Hello and welcome to episode 263 of the Smart Poker Study Podcast. My name is Sky, and I am, of course, your host, and if it's your first time here, thank you very much. If you're a long time, long time, thank you very much as well for checking in with me, right? Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcatcher because I have tons of poker strategy dropping every single week. Free stuff right for you, not just strategy, but also take actions because action is the greatest teacher. So I tell you exactly how to practice what I discuss in the podcast. Alrighty, so last week I held a live Q&A for Poker Forge members. Now, this Q&A, it was centered around profitable or playing profitable poker. So all the questions revolved around things like value bets or bankroll rules or exploiting your opponents. Now, on top of those questions and answers, I also planned some kind of additional strategy stuff. And in the Q&A towards the end, I covered five common and costly leaks that all of my students have. So Poker Forge members, uh, the ones that attended the live stream or watched the video recording afterwards, they learned how to find and plug those five leaks. So for today's Q&A podcast, I wanted to play a small portion of the questions and answers from the live stream. So the audio that you're about to hear, it's stripped directly out of the live Q&A. So you're going to hear delays as I'm typing information out on a Word document that I later gave to everybody for the Q&A to help them with their studies. Uh, or maybe I'm scrolling through the chat area looking for questions. So uh, please excuse the pauses, I guess I should say. So if you would like to attend these live Q&As for yourself to get your questions answered directly by me, you have to become a member of my poker training site called thepokerforge.com. Members get access to a growing library of strategy videos and resources, and these things cover everything you need to become a winning player. And seeing as how we're kicking off a new month today, there's a new strategy theme uh, starting today, and that is profitable c-betting. Yep, this is the most common post-flop play that you either make or you face. So it's really critical that you study this strategy and understand it very well. So if you're serious about becoming a better poker player, thepokerforge.com is the place to be. It's a no-brainer. It's like flopping a flush and going for max value through the streets. So head on over to thepokerforge.com right now to check it out and join today. All right, let's get to the Poker Profit Q&A. You can uh, please go to the show notes page for everything I discussed today, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod263. I have all the questions and my answers kind of typed out there for you so you can follow along as you listen. Okay, let's do this. Gambate! And now for our feature presentation. Okay, perfect, perfect. So, uh, looks like uh, you guys can probably see my screen right now. So, it's the welcome to the Quick Wins uh, Poker Course Q and A. I appreciate you guys taking the time to be here. Um, had some questions sent in from people ahead of time, so I have those on the Word document here. As we go through this, if I say something and you have a question or something else, totally just whatever related to anything poker, just type your question into the chat, and I'll be sure to answer it. Okay, cool beans. So 
Here we go. The quick wins Q&A. So uh, the first question comes from Jordan Bins, and it's about moving up in stakes. And it's something I haven't discussed or I didn't discuss in the quick wins poker course. So I'm glad Jordan asked me this question. When do I know I should jump up a level in stakes? I currently play NL2. And since I started tracking my hands, I have played 1000 hands with a win rate of 11 big blinds per 100 hands. Now, I think it's critical to follow bankroll rules. I'm just going to do some typing in here as we go, just to keep things, uh, uh, just, so, just so you can see what I'm discussing, help you take notes as well. Yeah, so my, my general bankroll rules are 40x for cash games, uh, to 100 to 200x for MTTs. Now, when it comes to moving up, when you are... Um, Move up slowly when you hit maybe 45 buy-ins, right? So what I recommend is you are playing your normal sessions. Maybe you have a four-table session and you're feeling good. Things are going well. Your bankroll is plenty big enough. That's when it's time to take a shot at the higher level. So for Jordan here, he said NL2 is his current level. So he can have four tables open close three of them and open up a five NL table. So he has one two NL, which he's totally used to, and one five NL table now. Uh, the whole goal behind this is to build experience at that higher level. I don't recommend to just jump up like uh, you have a 40X bankroll at two NL, which means you need uh, $80. I don't recommend to play two NL just until you build up to $200 so that you have $45 buy-ins. Play occasionally to build experience at that higher level. And eventually, when you get close to that 40 buy-in at the next level, you're going to be really comfortable playing those stakes because you're going to have so much experience playing them. It's going to be really easy to make that move up. But don't just make the sudden move. Make the gradual move and play them to get used to them. And it's also a good way just to develop a database out on those opponents at the higher stakes. So when you do make that final jump, bam, you're ready to start exploiting them. And uh, you have notes on them. You've been reviewing hand histories at that 5NL already for Jordan. So it's a really good, uh, it's, it's a really good way to go about moving up. Uh, test yourself a little bit right there. And then when you feel totally comfortable and you have that 40X buy-in, so in this case, $200, then you make the move. But if you don't feel fully comfortable, uh, like if, you, if there's a point when you're playing 25NL and you just don't feel comfortable making the full jump to 50NL, that's fine. Just play a mixture, 25 and 50. It, it's totally fine. You can play what you want. There's no set rules on anything. Just get yourself used to it before you make that final jump. Now, Adam Choquette Fuchs asked, I know that Flopzilla will be an essential tool, but until I get, whoops, to the specific podcast on hand reading, I'm not sure it will go to good use. Is this something I should start learning how to work with right now? And I, I already sent an email uh, to Adam about this, but absolutely get used to Flopzilla ASAP. Even if you've barely started studying poker, even if you've been playing for two months, the sooner you understand how to use Flopzilla, enter ranges, pitch range versus range, hand versus range, look at equity, see how often ranges hit flops. The sooner you get used to that, um, the better your studies are going to be. And then ultimately, of course, you have to know Flopzilla in order to do really in-depth, thorough hand reading off the felt. So part of Adam's question, I, I, I didn't type it in here, but he also said, should I get Flopzilla right now? Yes, you should absolutely start using it. Now, 
hand reading is important. Flopzilla is a really big part of hand reading. That's why I put it within the Poker Forge as the very first month. That's what we covered right away hand reading. Because knowing that skill and developing that, that will help you from this point forward in your poker career. If you spent time studying C-bets or facing donk bets, sure, that helps. But that doesn't help with every single hand that you play, right? Understanding how to do hand reading, which is basically assigning a range and then narrowing it through the streets, that helps you with every single hand you're dealt. When you're dealt uh, pocket aces and you raise and the big blind calls, bam, you start putting them on a range that called you pre-flop. On the flop of 7, 8, 10, you see bet and then they check raised, holy cow, what is possibly or what is probably making this check raise right now? Doing the hand reading will help you out from that point forward. If you just study donk bet or let me back up real quick. And even if you fold the hand, understanding hand reading helps you if you're paying attention and watching the action. You see Bob is facing against Susie right now in this hand. You folded, but Bob open raised, Susie three bet, and then Bob called. Now you can think about both of their ranges. Watch the hand progress. So you're constantly using these hand reading skills, even if you're not involved in a hand. Um, You can't really utilize your donk or facing a donk bet skills if you're not facing a donk bet um, or if there's no donk bet taking place, right? Hand reading works no matter what every single hand dealt, live, online, tournament, cash game, sit and goes. Even those hand reading skills, if you decide to play uh, PLO, uh, I don't know, stud, whatever kind of mixed game, hand reading skills will always help you out. Um, So that's why for Adam, I recommend Flopzilla right away and hand reading ASAP. All righty. So let's see, who do we got here? Question three is about better value betting. And this one comes to us from Nima. One important thing, I always win small. I can't control the pot size. Therefore, with good hands, I tend to win small pots. And with marginal hands, I lose a lot. How do I get better at value betting? Uh, This is a really important skill. So I do have three things to recommend here. Number one is say allowed. Oh, Patrick says, howdy. What's up? Say allowed the hands that can give you value. So I think on that prior example that I used with the other question, we had pocket aces. Flop comes down seven, eight, 10. When you value bet on that flop with the aces, if you think about the things that are giving you value, hands that do not currently beat you, but can continue on seven, eight, 10, any nine would probably continue. They've got the open end to draw. Any 10 for top pair would probably continue. Maybe even a jack or maybe a six for a gut shot draw would continue. Um, if there's two hearts on the board, any two heart hand might continue right there. Um, even a pair of sevens or a pair of eights, uh, they might continue too. A seven, king eight suited hands like that might continue. There's tons of stuff that's giving you value on that board. Now, if they come in for the raise, you were betting for value and now they raise. Now you have to ask yourself, what is raising? Could any of those draws be raising me? If so, you know, you would proceed at that point. But if you're up against the kind of player who never raises post-flop without a draw or without a solid hand, you could put them on tons of two pair hands or better. On a 7-8-10, two pair that called you pre-flop would be 10-8-10-7-7-8, set of 7s, 7-8s, maybe even a set of 10s if they don't three bet those pre-flop. Lots of stuff that are currently beating you that can come over the top with a raise, but a lot of stuff that you're beating when calling. So it's just critical. Say aloud the hands uh, that can give you value. The next thing is, 
So for Nima here, a lot of people, when you're bluff betting or potentially a, a value C betting or just, or just value betting, you just bet half pot every time. You don't know what to do. You see all of your opponents on the tables. They're always betting half pot. Sometimes they bet three quarters, sometimes full pot, but you always see half pot all the time. So that's just naturally what you do. What you need to do is tailor your bet size to the situation. Um, if you think on that 7, 8, 10 board, if they can give you value with all their gut shots, all their openers, all their flush draws, all their top pair, second pair, third pair hands, why not bet three quarter, full pot, pot and a half with a hand as strong as pocket aces? You want to, like I said right there, play around, around with your bet sizes and test them out, right? If you're always betting half pot, you're not going to really figure out what is the best bet sizing in different situations. You've got to test it out. You've got to take action on various bet sizing for yourself to really understand and learn how to use value betting. Now, one of the benefits that can come with this, let's say you've always made half pot bets and suddenly you decide, oh, I'm going to test out two thirds pot bets and then three quarter pot bets. And all of a sudden, when you're making three quarter pot bets, you're getting way more folds than ever before. That should clue you into, okay, if I'm going for value, maybe three quarter is too big, but two thirds might be good. But if three quarter is too big and nobody's giving me value, they're all folding, maybe that's the size I should be doing with a lot of my bluffs. And then so by testing out these various value bet sizes, you might learn good bluff bet sizes simultaneously from it. Now, the last thing I would recommend, Nima, is to review every show, whoops, showdown hand where you checked the turn or river and one. Now, um, especially the river, but I added the turn here too, because a lot of times we check behind on the turn and then on the river as well with the top pair hand. We'll check behind on an eight, with an ace king on a king, king 10, uh, seven, six, five board possibly because we're worried that oh man seven six five they could have a straight they could easily have a two pair king 10 has two pair um with our ace king maybe we're beat so we check behind what i want you to do is review like i just said right there every showdown hand where you check the turn in the river uh and you won the hand. Did I say, okay, and I said, and you won. Because you want to figure out why you're not betting for value. And you want to figure out if it is actually a good opportunity to value bet or not. So like I answered in this prior question from Adam, yeah, Flopzilla, this is a perfect time. You're doing hand reading with Flopzilla and stuff, but you're also doing hand reading on all these value bet hands right here. As soon as you find one of these hands that went to showdown that you want to review, assign them a pre-flop range. Figure out how well that range hits the flop and then narrow their flop range after they called your bet. On the turn, this new turn card came. Maybe the seven came on the turn. How does that affect their range? If you would have bet for value, could they have called with worse hands? So that's what I want you to do, Nima, as well. Those three things, that's going to help you value a bit more. And just keep it at top of mind. You know, every time you flop top pair or better, think to yourself and say aloud what hands can give you value. And if you can name a lot of hands that give you value, go ahead and make the value bets. Alrighty, make sure you head over to smartpokerstudy.com slash pod263 for the show notes and related links for this episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I will be back next week with a brand new strategy episode for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, then I invite you to check out thepokerforge.com. 
This is the essential resource for any poker player at any stage of the game, especially if you want to learn how to annihilate your opponents with profitable c-bets, because that's what we're all about in November within the Poker Forge. So check out thepokerforge.com to join today. Until next time, study smart, play much, and make your next session the best one yet.